The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Welcome to another edition of the show. This is Season 4, Episode 15. We've got lots to talk about this week as we have just finished up the first week of the Ohio playoffs and we're going into the last week of the West Virginia regular season. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. You can download new episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts if you would. Later in the show, Tara Malone joins to give us his thoughts on last week's Doddridge-Williamstown game at We'll also preview the St. Mary's Tyler matchup coming up this week, and we'll talk about why all the games matter in a regular season. There's a team this year in the area that is very, very much going to show why it is that you have to take them all serious. Not that they didn't, but we'll tell you why it is that they all matter. Let's start with maybe the most amazing story in the area this week, and that is Williamstown. The Yellow Jackets were without quarterback Max Malesa after his injury the week before against Fort Fry. He left that game on a stretcher, was fine, was walking around at practice and in the locker room that week, but he did not play on Friday, and they still picked up a 26-24 win over a Doddridge County team that came into that game undefeated. The Yellow Jackets stopped Doddridge County's would-be game-tying two-point conversion attempt with a little over 18 seconds left. Both teams put up their share of offense in this game. They tallied nearly 400 rushing yards, and it was Williamstown that got up 13-0 early before Doddridge County got back into this one and scored two straight touchdowns of their own. It was still a 13-12 game late in the third quarter when Ricky Allen's third of four touchdown runs extended the Yellow Jackets' lead to 20-12. Doddridge County got back on the board early in the fourth quarter and then it went back and forth after that. Allen's fourth run put Williamstown up 26-18. to The Bulldogs got a touchdown pass with 18 seconds and change left. The two-point conversion would have tied this game. Unfortunately for Dobridge County, they misfired on that. The Williamstown holds off the Bulldogs 26-24. Lots to unpack on the special team side of this thing. Williamstown had two PATs blocked, but Dobridge County missed all four of their PAT attempts. Two extra point kicks and two two-point conversions. The only two extra points that were converted in this game were Isaac Joyce after Allen's first and third touchdowns. That ended up being the difference in the game. You have to wonder if there isn't maybe an issue with Williamstown's field goal unit that they need to go back and fix and that Doddridge exploited and maybe others could as well. And if you're Doddridge County, it goes to show you where special teams can loom so large in a game. People don't think of the two-point conversion unit all the time as special teams, but let's be honest, you're not running necessarily the same kind of plays that you're running from a two-point conversion situation that you would run on a normal goal line situation. You're running high percentage plays, plays that give you the best percentage and the best chance of scoring right then. Again, Doddridge County tried to kick it twice, and they also tried to go for the two-pointer twice, and they missed them both. And they've got a good kicker, too, in uh, John Devaney, but for whatever reason, he was not able to convert those extra point tries, and that ended up being part of the difference in that game. Ricky Allen stepped up big time, as both these teams, as we said, scored a lot of points and ended up tallying nearly 400 rushing yards. Allen had 27 carries, 222 yards, and four touchdowns. Colt Hessen, who started a quarterback in place of Melissa, ran 16 times or 124 yards. Also was 2 of 5 passing the ball for 43 yards, but the best thing that he did was they did not turn over the ball. Ricky Allen stepped in in place of both Trevor Oates and Max Melissa and was able to carry the mail for these Yellow Jackets. This is what Williamstown always seems to do. They always seem to find a way to win when the chips are down, when times look tough, when they're facing adversity. Again, Trevor Oates out for the season with an injury he suffered in the St. Mary's game. Max Melissa out with that injury that he suffered in the Fort Fry game. So facing an unbeaten Doddridge County club that came in as the 
number one team in the state. They came in flying high. The Yellow Jackets got things done, and now they'll play Magnolia this week. And that's a one-win team in Magnolia, but mind you, they had high hopes for this year, and it's their last game, so they will be gunning for the Yellow Jackets this week. That will not be an easy one for Williamstown to get past, but a huge win for Williamstown to prove to a lot of people why this team is a state title contender, and maybe the state title contender as of right now in Class A. I feel like we say that every week with somebody, and maybe even somebody new. There's a different team that steps to the forefront. It's been East Hardy. It's been Wheeling Central. For some, it's still East Hardy or Wheeling Central. For some, it's Williamstown. For some, it's Doddridge County. Ritchie County's been tossed about. Moorefield's been tossed about. Class A is wide open this year. We'll have much more on that next week when the playoffs start. And we'll also have much more on this game later in the episode. Again, as we said earlier, Tara Malone from Metro News covered this game last week, and he'll tell us his impressions and what he saw. The game I had this week, Parkersburg South went on the road and pulled a big upset at Wheeling Park. Not an upset necessarily because Wheeling Park had a superior record. They're both middle-of-the-road teams as far as the records went. South came in at 3-4. and four. We'll get to that in a minute, though. Wheeling Park at 3-3, three and three. but Wheeling Park was at home. They'd won the week before at home. You really had the idea that this Wheeling Park team might be starting to put things together and might be starting to congeal and make a bit of a run. Not the case. Robert Shockey threw touchdown passes to Gage Wright and Tristan Walker. The game turned late in the third quarter when Shockey tried to run for a touchdown, fumbled the ball into the end zone, and it was Tyson Mays that fell on it for the go-ahead touchdown on a fumble recovery. Wright sealed the deal on a pick six or looked to seal the deal. Wheeling Park got a late touchdown pass from Brett Phillips to Nate Sheelick, but then it was South recovering the onside kick that snuffed out Wheeling Park's last chance. South won the turnover battle 4-2. to two. A lot of sloppy mistakes for Wheeling Park, some uncharacteristic mistakes, and again the big right pick six, three fumbles for Wheeling Park that South was able to recover. For a Parkersburg South team that in the two weeks prior couldn't run the ball, looked beat down on defense, and really demoralized in a few areas, they went on the road and pulled the big upset at Wheeling Park to save their season. And I said the record for Parkersburg South going in was 3-4. and four. They won against Wheeling Park to go to 4-4, four and four, but this week the WVSSAC ruled on some of the games that didn't happen because of COVID. Many of those were declared forfeits. A couple of those were declared no contests. And officially on Monday, it was Parkersburg South and Bridgeport declared a forfeit loss for Parkersburg South. It was south out of the COVID issue, couldn't travel to Bridgeport to play. They tried to make it up the following Tuesday. That wasn't agreeable to Bridgeport. And so Parkersburg South has to take the L. Bridgeport not only did not agree on the Tuesday time, but they could not also find another mutually agreed upon time. They weren't willing to double up and play a game in the middle of a week where they sandwich south end somewhere, three games in two weeks' time. And why should they have, honestly? Because they're unbeaten. They're playing for a lot. They had no incentive to play that game with Parkersburg South. The only way that game was going to get played was if somebody felt out of Bridgeport's schedule and Parkersburg South found some room to move people around and make it happen on their end and maybe pick up Bridgeport that way. It didn't happen and so it's a forfeit loss for Parkersburg South. They are officially now 4-5 and five in the SSAC rankings that come out today and so with a win against Princeton they would go to 5-5 five and five. and I'm being told Parkersburg South has a shot to make the playoffs if they can get the win. So a team that's coming in off an inspired effort last week on the road. They have everything they want in front of them at home. You would think that's going to be some momentum this week. It would wouldn't be a pretty seed, wouldn't be a high seed, but Parkersburg South looks to get into the postseason if they can come away with a win against Princeton on Friday. George Washington squashes PHS's playoff hopes. They beat the Big Reds 28-24. They built a 21-10 halftime lead. Bryson Singer was used all over the place for PHS. He threw the ball, caught the ball as a receiver, ran the ball, all told had over 20 touches, so he's the guy who you want to have the ball in his hands more often than not. He was 2-7 of seven throwing the ball, he had four catches in the ball game, and he ran the ball 16 times, so they 
they found a way to use him, and they rode him as best they could. He caught two touchdown passes, threw one to Carter King, and for King, that's three games now, three touchdowns, so it goes to show you just what they've missed by not having him much of the season. Credit for PHS for rallying late in that game, but they just fell short. They outgained George Washington 417 to 256, but they didn't survive two turnovers. Now they'll have a long trip to Musselman. They come into that one at 3-6. and six. Best they can do is 4-6, and six. and even with a win against Musselman, will not have the points to qualify for the playoffs, so you have to think a frustrating season for Parkersburg High. They were a few people's sexy pick to maybe host a home game this year and get in the top eight, but they just didn't stay healthy, and they didn't stay on the field at the same time, and because of that, Bryson Singer's Kennedy Ward candidacy was hurt, you have to think. And credit Singer, he sacrificed personal numbers and personal glory to try to help his team win, and I think that's something that needs to be first and foremost at the top of this PHS season. If you're looking at this from a statewide perspective and wondering why Singer didn't seem to have the kind of season that you were expecting him to have, maybe, or that a lot of people expected out of him, you have to remember this, that he stepped in and was the running back, he stepped in as a receiver, and let David Parsons, quarterback, did things they didn't have to do for the good of the team. And as Mike Bias has said in interviews, it wasn't him that came to Bryson and had ideas like that about how to do things different and how to move the ball and how to shake things up when things weren't going well. It was Bryson that got inventive and had ideas and said, Coach, I'm willing to do this. And I think that college teams, if they're looking to recruit Bryson Singer, would notice that. It's it's not hard to see somebody on film and know what they can do, but I think more than anything else, college is won over on somebody by what they hear the head coach say about that person. And Mike Bias is going to speak in glowing terms about Bryson Singer. I'm sure he already does. And his track record of getting players to college and even to the NFL is something that at this point is starting to speak for itself. So I think if you're Parkersburg High School, they're going to get Singer's best effort. This is essentially their playoff game. But if you're Bryson Singer, I think the future looks bright for you as well. You should have a chance to play at the college level if that's something that he wants to do, as it seems to be. It's just a shame this team was never able to make it happen and make it work the way they'd hoped to do so this year. Credit the Big Reds for hanging in there and fighting tough uh, all the way to the bitter end of this one, but a 20-24 loss for Parkersburg High School. St. Mary's could not survive the long trip. East Hardy picked up a 36-6 win, so now St. Mary's falls to 5-4. and four. And as far as St. Mary's is concerned, they have fallen out of the playoff race. They knew that when they lost the game on Friday. They know that all they can do against Tyler Consolidated this week is play spoiler. East Hardy got a strong performance from quarterback Mason Miller, but his biggest contribution probably on defense, he had a scoop and score for touchdown, and he had a pick six. So if you're St. Mary's, you lose that game by giving up two defensive touchdowns. That's something that you really can't afford to do, especially not against a good team like East Hardy. So St. Mary's on the outside looking into the playoff picture. And again, you might be wondering, how could a five-win and maybe a six-win team, depending on what they do against Tata Consolidated, be out of the playoffs. Well, you look at this. The teams they beat, Ravenswood, Calhoun County, Wart County, Magnolia, South Harrison, none of those teams have more than three wins, and a couple of them are only one-win teams or less. But then the losses, Roan County, Ritchie County, Williamstown, and East Hardy. Those are four playoff teams. Three of those four teams are probably going to be in the top half of Class A, and you might have a couple semifinalists out of that group. And the fourth team in Roan County has a chance to go get a home game in Class AA. And the Roan County loss has to be one of the more maddening losses for St. Mary's. We'll get much more to this later. But if you're St. Mary's, you lose to Roan County, you give up six points and you lose at home to Roan County in Week 1. This is a St. Mary's defense. You go back and look at the numbers. They held five of their nine opponents this year to a touchdown or less. By a lot of metrics, this is not a St. Mary's team that should be sitting at home next week, but that's exactly what's going to happen. So their playoff game is essentially this week against Tyler Consolidated. As a St. Mary's fan, you can still be proud of this 
team. There's a lot to be proud of, even if they lose this game and go to 5-5. Five and 6-4, five. and four, if they upset Tyler Consolidated, will be a nice finish to the season, but still, you fall short of where you'd want to be. It's got to be tough to miss out on the playoffs entirely, especially when you come in as the defending state champion. But you can't look at that schedule in hindsight, the one I just talked about a moment ago, and say the chances weren't there, because the chances definitely were there for St. Mary's. You pick off any one of those four teams that I mentioned, Roan County, Williamstown, Ritchie County, and East Hardy. You pick off any one of those four, and they probably get in with a win against Tyler Consolidated this week. And if you pick off Roan County, they probably get in even without defeating Tyler Consolidated because of the bonus points that Roan County would give you as a double-A school and one that's having a good season. So again, for St. Mary's, a season of what-ifs comes to an end against Tyler Consolidated. Ritchie County defeated Gilmer County 43-15. to That's a big road win against a six-win team. That's a quality win as far as Ritchie County's playoff points go. And how about this for Ritchie County? In their first six games of the year, Ritchie County had four games of their first six where they allowed 20 points or more. They've only allowed 22 points in the last three games. Granted, one of those was against a struggling Webster County team. They shut out Webster County as they were expected to do, as a lot of people thought they'd do. But then again, they didn't have to do that based on the way things had gone this year. That could have very easily been a game where they stumbled and a lot of touchdown or two to a, a Webster County team that you know could have gained some momentum themselves from that. But Wirt County, a good team, and that's a playoff rematch from last year, and they held them to seven points. Gilmer County is known for their passing, maybe not as much known for their defense, but only 15 points allowed by Ritchie County, and they're a team not known for their defense. Look at that Wahama score from early in the year, 50-48. to They lost to Doddridge County in a 29-26 shootout. They have allowed some touchdowns against some teams that have really struggled. 28 points to Ravenswood, so they've worked hard on defense in the last few weeks out in Ellenboro. Give credit to Rick Hot's squad. They've been productive since that loss to Doddridge County in Week 5. I'm not sure if there's any team that comes in with one loss or a couple losses that has grown as much since that last loss as Ritchie County. They looked at these next six games of their season and they're like, alright, well, what do we got to do to build depth, to get better, to get ourselves to where we are a contender in Class A again? And I think they've done that. I think you'd have to look at the teams on their schedule. And they haven't beat the most difficult schedule. They played a lot of their most difficult games early in the year, but they have a convincing win against what the very least is a five-win St. Mary's team. They have a convincing win over what is a six-win Tyler Consolidated team that may very well go to the playoffs. And they've got a two wins in back-to-back weeks against a team they beat in the playoffs last year, Ward County, and a Gilmer County team that has a shot to make it this year. These are good teams. The Ritchie County's beating again six wins for Gilmer County. They fought a six and three after the Ritchie County 43-15 win. So the Rebels are doing the things they need to do to get to where they need to be by the time all is said and done. Like I said, I don't know that any team in this area has done more since a loss than Ritchie County has. They've markedly gotten better every week or they've built depth or something like that. So now the Rebels will take a five-game winning streak into Calhoun County. They'll face Calhoun tonight to finish their regular season. Tyler Consolidated rolls over Valley 55-12. to They get to 6-3. and As we said, that game against St. Mary's is a huge one. If St. Mary's manages to pick off the Silver Knights in St. Mary's, then... Tyler will be denied a playoff spot even at 6-4. and four. But if Tyler Consolidated wins, they go to 7-3 and three and they'll get a spot in the playoffs. Credit Ryan Walton's ball club because early in the year when I interviewed him for the Countdown to Kickoff preseason preview series, one of the things he said to me was just talking about how difficult that schedule was. And he said, you know, we have a lot of people to talk about that. And I say, you know, if we win six or seven games against pretty good competition, then we'll probably have beat some teams that were pretty good and we'll be ready for the playoffs. And if we win more than that, then we'll be primed for a 
pretty good run. And if they can get in winning seven games, then yeah, I would think they'd be primed for a pretty solid run too. But it seems like all these teams have games where if they manage to win one game or another, then that would certainly change their fortunes. If you're Tyler, you have to look at that Ritchie County game in week one as a game you'd like to have back and maybe like to have another crack at the Rebels. Of course, Ritchie County was flying high off a semifinal appearance and Tyler Consolidated just getting their feet under them this year. It's a younger ball club, but they found something in the running game with Sean Winfrey. He's been a revelation for this team this year. Moving to the Ohio playoffs, the River Pilots move on. They defeated Monroe Central 49-6. That's a 7 seed in River over a 10 seed in Monroe Central. If you remember, the Ohio playoffs are now 16 teams in a region instead of just 8. So 7 is a home game for River. It was last week at least as they hang on for a 49-6 win over Monroe Central. So they will play at Burn Union Saturday at 7 o'clock in the second round of the Ohio playoffs. Burn Union, the number 2 seed. And Frontier season has come to an end. They're 5-4 and four is where they'll finish up after a 48-7 win by Caldwell over Frontier. Kind of a rough end of the season for Frontier, losing to Rivers, so that took away their chance for a home game. And then they lost to Caldwell. Some really good players there. They were able to score on defense as well as offense, and they put together some big numbers and a good season. But Russ Morris's Frontier Cougars fall to 5-4 and four and end their season after that loss to Caldwell in the Ohio playoffs. Magnolia and Payton City have losses. Magnolia fell 42-18 to against Wahama, while Webster County got their first win of the year, edging Payton City 21-12. to Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's go between the hash marks, and this week we're talking about why all of these games matter, the importance of all 10 games in the scheduled regular season. And I think there's not been any season that has shown us more why all 10 of these games matter and why you must be absolutely at your best for all 10 weeks. Let's take a look at some of the area teams that will not be where they wanted to be when it's all said and done. And how about Magnolia? They'll play Williamstown this week. You feel bad for Magnolia in a lot of ways. They had some really high expectations. They got a win in their opener, and they fell by two touchdowns to Wirt County on Labor Day weekend in Game 2. But then the Blue Eagles had some COVID issues and couldn't play for two weeks. They had a bye week in there, and then they lost their rivalry matchup with River. So at 1-1, one and one, Magnolia came back on September 24th against Monroe Central at home. And even at home, Monroe Central proved too much for the Blue Eagles. So at 1-2, and two, Magnolia entered October with a decent shot to still have a run and go to the playoffs. At the time, there were six games left, and they had to think, well, if we pick up a couple of these and get some momentum, we'll be at 3-2 and two for the back half of that schedule, and anything could happen. In a back-and-forth game, Magnolia lost 26-23 to Union Local and 28-21 to Frontier in back-to-back weeks. And you have to think that if a few things go differently for them in those games, they do go to 3-2. and two. And if that happens, I don't think they lose 34-7 to St. Mary's. I don't think they lose 49-7 to to Tyler. And I think they stay in with Wahama instead of losing 42-18. to So there's a 1-7 and team. But you have to think that maybe if the COVID thing doesn't happen, and maybe if they get a couple of those swing games, Union Local and Frontier, games that just went against them, games that they were in and they just couldn't pull off at the end, I think that's a different season for these Magnolia Blue Eagles. So those are two games, but even one matters and can be everything. We've talked a number of times about how Williamstown would like to have their own quarterback in 18-12 to loss and double overtime to Waterford. They make a couple plays here or there. This is an 8-1 team we're talking about instead of a 7-2 team, and that could be the difference in how many games you host at home in the playoffs. Ritchie County stubbed their toe against Doddbridge County at 29-26 loss in a game where if their defense had been shored up like it is now, they probably don't allow 29 points to Doddbridge County, but they learned their lesson from that and they've moved on and played well since. Parkersburg South season is on the positive side of that. One game matters. If they don't hang on and win by one point, 29-28 against Capital in their opener, if they allow the two-point conversion they stopped in the game's final moments and they lose that game to 
the Capitol. Things probably are different for both Capitol and Parkersburg South. The Patriots would not have been able to get off on the note that they did to start the season, while Capitol has been only a one-win team this season, despite having a lot of talent. You can also look at their game with John Marshall, a game that was decided by a few points late. John Marshall hit the potential go-ahead field goal off the upright in that game, and South held on to win. But I think the poster child this season for they all count, they all matter for something, is St. Mary's. St. Mary's lost 6 to nothing in their season opener against Roan County. So there we have, in Week 1, a team that if they're able to pull off a win there, things go vastly different for the St. Mary's team. They get another win, they would be sitting right now at 6-3 and three instead of 5-4, and four, and they'd have the bonus points of beating a double-A team. So that would be a valuable win, and it would have them in the playoff discussion instead of playing spoiler against Tyler Consolidated. And the thing is, St. Mary's knows this. That's a veteran coaching staff there. Uh, they know that they knew they were in trouble when they lost 6 to nothing. I guarantee you they did. And they probably told their players, and if their players were smart, they knew they were in trouble. I mean, sure, they had nine games left, but you don't blow many opportunities like that where you can get bonus points against a double-A team at home and survive that and have good things happen after that. Or if you do, then you're a very, very good team. St. Mary's came in this year as a very average team and a rebuilding team and a reloading team. They have a lot of youth on both sides of the roster, but there's no way you should at home give up just six points and lose the ball game. You've got to find ways to score, and you've got to find ways to get into the end zone. St. Mary's had those chances. They turned it over twice inside the five-yard line, and that's not only the difference in the game that week, but really it's the difference between the playoffs and not getting into the playoffs, or at least having something to play for this week against Tyler Consolidated, because even at 6-3, and three, say there's two 6-3 and three teams squaring off in St. Mary's, that's that's a winner-take-all game between those two teams instead of St. Mary's playing spoiler. Both of those teams would at the very least still be in the discussion, and to be honest, St. Mary's, if they come in at 6-3 and three against Tyler Consolidated instead of 5-4 and four with that win against Roan County, they'd probably survive a loss to Tyler Consolidated and make the playoffs at 6-4, and four, whereas I don't think Tyler Consolidated would survive going to 6-4. and four. St. Mary's would if they had that win against Roan County. So it just goes to show you that every game matters. It's, it's nothing that they no, don't know. It's something that I'm sure Jody Moda said. Jay Powell has said that. Bill Oxier's probably said that. That's a veteran coaching staff. They know football. And I'm sure they knew then that they had, even in the opener, let an opportunity go by the wayside that was a valuable and had proved to be valuable this year. you got to play them all out. Every single one counts. And for St. Mary's, that's a painful lesson and a lesson learned a very hard way this year. Switching gears, our Metro News correspondent Taryn Malone joins to talk about the Williamstown Dombridge County game he saw last week and also share his thoughts on St. Mary's and Tyler Consolidated and give you the games week in the area. Taryn? Hey Eric, last week I made a really good decision in choosing my game of the week with Doddridge County at Williamstown. Today I give you my thoughts from last Friday night. Before this game began, I thought this would probably be the best matchup across the board in Class A last week as both of these squads have been perennial powers in the LKC over recent years and also it would set up the class single A playoff picture for many squads all across the state. The Williamstown Yellow Jackets, now 7-2, got all four of their touchdowns from running back Ricky Allen. He carried the ball 27 times for nearly 220 yards. Meanwhile, for Doddridge, it was the duo of Jared Jones and Seth Richards that really kept the Bulldogs in the game as Jones found Richards three separate times for a score until the final seconds of the game. As Jones would connect with Gabriel Stort, the Bulldogs would trail by two points and would go for the two-point conversion, but the pass was overthrown and out of the back of the end zone as Williamstown would hand Doddridge County their first loss of the season by a score of 26-24. to I really thought this was a great game overall. Doddridge had some early penalties that didn't really help them at all in terms of field positioning. As a result of that, Williamstown capitalized on their mistakes and broke out to a 13-0 lead at the half, and that would be the difference in this game. As we are nearing the start of the postseason, I really do consider both of these two 
squad state championship contenders next month. It just depends on how both of these teams fall into bracket. I've seen scenarios where Doddridge County would be matched up with Williamstown either in a state semifinal or a state quarterfinal. So we'll keep everybody posted on that in the next couple of weeks. Moving forward to what is expected to be a play-in game for a playoff spot between Tyler Consolidated and St. Mary's. The Silver Knights win this one. They're looking anywhere from a 12 to 16 seed. And Eric, I really have a good feeling about this being a defensive battle between these two squads. I feel that both of these two teams should be playoff contenders. However, there can only be one team that will make the difference this Friday night. The Silver Knights have won six of their last seven games after a 55 to 12 victory over Valley last week. However, for the St. Mary's Blue Devils, they've won three of their last four after falling to East Hardy on the road 36 to 6 last Friday night. Expect a good one at Bill Hanlon Stadium on Friday as both of these two squads have an opportunity to battle their way into the postseason. My games of the week this week is just going to be statewide class single A games of the week. Six and three Tyler consolidated at five and four St. Mary's, a game I will be covering this Friday night. Six and three Weirton Madonna at six and two Trinity, and then finally four and five Work County at five and four Sherman. That was a look at our games of the week and a recap from the LKC matchup between Doddridge and Williamstown and a look at Tyler in St. Mary's and Morgantown. I'm Taryn Malone for Metro News. Eric, back to you. Thank you, Taryn. Our games of the week this week on Seven Rangers Radio. It's Light Rock 93R with St. Mary's and Tyler Consolidated. A lot of pride on the battle there for Tyler Consolidated, a playoff spot. The classic rock station 92.3 WXCR has Ritchie County looking for a nine-win season as they visit Calhoun County. WVAM, the true oldies channel, has PHS on that long trip to Musselman. Got to be tough to go into a game at three and six, go on that trip that's that long, and know that even with a win, the best you're going to do is come across the mountains and come back home at four and six, but still pride on the line for the Big Reds. And V96.9 has Parkersburg South in a game where they can win and get in as they face off with the Princeton Tigers. Games of the week in the area, you have to look at that South Princeton game. Princeton already firmly into the playoff field, and so Parkersburg South would stand to gain a lot of playoff points if they can come up with a win against the Tigers. Well, the Tigers would like to have a home game. They can cement that with a win against Parkersburg South and knock South out of the field of 16. St. Mary's and Tyler again for two teams that come in with 11 combined wins. A real shame that both of them aren't going to the playoffs this year. I've talked to some coaches about these two teams, and I said, are these teams playoff teams? And they unequivocally said yes. Both these teams are playoff teams. St. Mary's is better than what they were in Week 1, and it's a shame that they're not going to be a playoff team. How to consolidate it, we'll see what they do. And River and Burn Union. River, a 7 seed, looking to go on the road and take on a tough number 2 seed, see if they can get the upset in the second round of the Ohio playoffs. The River Pilots on the road taking on Burn Union. That's a Saturday 7 o'clock kickoff. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Download new episodes every Wednesday on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe as well. That's the easiest way to get new episodes of the show instead of having to hunt them down each week. Next week, we will take a look at all three brackets in West Virginia, the Class A, Class AA, and Class AAA brackets. Taryn and I will make some picks out of those brackets and give you our thoughts on those. may get an extended play version of Taryn Malone this week. We'll see what happens, and hopefully we can get out and talk to some coaches this week, too, and get their thoughts on their upcoming playoff matchups. Hey, thank you for listening to us once again this week. My name is Eric Little. Enjoy the last regular season week of football in West Virginia, and we'll talk to you again next week to preview the playoffs. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.